Nothing like a great rescue story of how God in his great mercy and compassion leads us um, through things in life. And we appreciate that testimony. I've gotten to hear the full version of how uh, the Lord worked in Eugene's life at a men's conference. And uh, just exciting to see how God in, in very different lives works his comfort into them. We began with the, the tragedy of a couple who lost both of their babies onto um, the struggle of losing two parents in a seven-month period um, to last week, uh, an, a tr- an accident that could have been tragic that the Lord um, comforted through, and then this week, a rescue story of how God worked in his life and now for his, all his family. And uh, I just pray they've been bringing you tidings of comfort, for that's the idea behind this whole series. We wanted to speak comfort into our lives in a world that is not speaking comfort. Um, it's a time of fear and anxiety, stress, anger, annoyance, opinions, all this time we need comfort. And that is the heartbeat behind our Tidings of Comfort series. We've centered it on a passage in scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 5. God gives comfort to us so that he can give comfort through us. And so those testimonies are times when God comforted them and they're comforting you, letting you know what a God we serve. You know, um, this is the last sermon here in 2020. I know we're gonna miss this year. Um, Last year, 2020, last sermon. It it might be my last sermon too uh, because... um, You know, I've been really praying about this and I think I'm gonna have to leave the ministry and go into pillow sales after Christmas Eve. Um, I think uh, I found my calling in life. I'm I'm gonna be doing pillows now. That is not true. Uh, It's a joke. If you watched our Christmas Eve service, you got that. If you're not laughing right now, it's because you didn't see that. So um, we talked about pillows. We've been talking about blankets. You know, it's funny, my wife and I had seen this blanket. It's called like the anxiety blanket or whatever. And she said, we should try that. So we got this blanket. It's like this heavy blanket. And you, know, you would try this thing. And it's supposed to make you feel like you're being hugged, you know? And so um, I tried this thing. It's actually like sleeping at a dentist office, okay? With like the x-ray blanket on top of you. All right, you wake up in the middle of the night, that thing on, you feel like someone's laying on top of you. You're not sure if there's oppression in the room or whatever, but uh, not for me. But uh, isn't it funny how the world, I mean, we got all sorts of comfy things and I'm all about comfy. Okay, I really am. I'm, I'm big on that at Christmas. My family knows I like to get some slippers, some sweatpants, you know, and I, I like, a, you know, I'll, I'll grab a blanket. I'm all about that stuff. I know how to relax. I also now to know how to go 100 miles an hour. And many of our churches filled with people like that. But isn't it interesting how the world just kind of feeds us comfort all external? You know, we'll get a comfy pillow. And if we get a comfy blanket, we're gonna bring comfiness but see, see, in a time like this especially, it really brings to light how meaningless comfy is compared to comfort. And, and that's why we're gonna continue to preach comfort, and that's why we've settled in on a different illustration. Not a pillow, not a blanket, not even comfy Christmas pajamas. We're centering in on the internal comfort that comes from our heavenly father, from our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, who the night he was born, angels in glory saying tidings of comfort and joy are here. Jesus is here. And how can we best leverage him, speak about him, illustrate him? Well, this year we have chosen to do that through the metaphor of a shepherd. 
the shepherd that brings comfort. And he's not a little shepherd. We have our little figurine David here, and we've kind of, um, I, I've kind of played the role of God, the shepherd, leading this little shepherd. And I've got my staff out throughout this series, and we've talked about how big is your God? Is he a little God or is he a big God? And, and we've had David down here, and every time he's in the Psalms, we see him, he has a big, huge shepherd that's with him at all times. And we've been learning stuff about our shepherd. And I think it's so important to learn about this shepherd because God's reputation in this world is not very good amongst people. In fact, people speak very, not only wrongly or in error about him, but they don't have a very high view of him. If you just ask a normal person walking around the street that's not necessarily unchurched, they're going to have a, a very different view of God and his reputation to them won't be that good. But see, you know the God of the Bible. But honestly, in this season of stress and trial and anxiety, even amongst believers, I have found myself even defending God's character at times when even God's kids have questioned it. And so all the more reason to have a bedrock of theology, a study of God that gives us a God that is a good God in a world and with an enemy that wants you to have a distant, far off He's up there somewhere, God, and not a God who's with you wherever you go. And that's why, young people, you're gonna hear lots of messages throughout your life. And there's gonna be some God needs, let's eat messages. There's gonna be some powerful messages. There's gonna be inspiring messages. But you got to have messages that have a theology of God that informs your prayer life, that informs your decision-making, that informs your fears. For when you run those filters, that God filter through you, there's a lot of stuff that can never hit you, even if it's meant to scare you because of how big your God is. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been going to the Psalms and we've been finding out about our shepherd. In the first week, we, our tidying of comfort was in Psalm 23. And we found out God promises to be with us. He promises to be with us. Why? So that he can provide comfort to us. If you don't have a God that goes with you, that means you're all alone in this. That's a pretty scary place to be. But if you're informed by scripture that you have a shepherd going with you, oh man, that means these things we found. It means he will provide for every need. He will guide us through still waters peacefully. He will restore us if we fail. He'll lead us on the right paths, not the wrong ones. He'll be with us always, even if we walk through the valley of shadow of death. He, he, he will never be against you. He'll prepare a table amongst your enemies. He will care for you in hardship. He will comfort you until your home. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, a tiding of comfort that, that the Lord is my shepherd. But we also found out he'll sit down in front of the door because the Lord is our keeper. And, and, and in the second week, we talked about God promises to guard us so that he can instill comfort inside of us. When a mom or dad goes into a child who can't sleep at night and sits in the room until they fall asleep, they're instilling comfort in the child by what? Their presence, their ability to guard them when no one else could. He's giving comfort to us, guarding us to instill that. And we turn to the keeper of Psalm 121. So we found out not only is he my shepherd, he's my keeper. He goes before me, he goes behind me, he protects me, and anything that gets to me has to be filtered through him. So if he has allowed it, he's gonna help me through it He's gonna prevent me from it or 
He'll call me home where I'm super safe for to die is actually gain. Have you ever thought how many things in your life has the great keeper kept you from that you don't even know? Like how much danger was coming your way? My wife and I can reflect on a time where we were at um, her parents for Christmas. Well, we were about to go home and the weather's always tricky where her parents live up in Belfont. You have to travel along Interstate 80 or Route 80 and that can be a tricky place to drive. Well, I think, I, I don't remember the story completely accurately. I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I think one of the kids forgot one of their presents. It was along those lines and, and we needed to find it. And we got off late, maybe 40, 45 minutes late. And I was kind of bothered by it. I was like, ah, I wanted to get home. I had some things I wanted to do and we got to find this thing. Can't leave without this present or whatever. And, and it's really not worth getting home if we don't have that present. So you got to go get it, right parents? Well, we got it. We got off about 40 minutes late, 40, 45 minutes late. Now, as we were getting off, we had heard that there was a traffic accident along Route 80. Maybe a 35 car pile up. That can happen because there's whiteouts up there and cars hit one another and keep driving into each other. We went around it because we were so far behind it, but I started doing a little math in my head. And I thought if we would have gotten off on time, you know, that kind of puts us right in the middle of that or right behind it being stuck in it for hours. I wonder if we, that present was just to kind of guard us. Thank you, Lord. And I ended up thanking the Lord for it, whether it was there or not. I wonder how much he keeps us from. Well, it's important to have that because it informs our thinking. It informs our gratitude. And if I know I have a keeper, it makes me ponder him. And Psalm 121 gave me some characteristics of him. He's a powerful guard. He's attentive. He always sees me. He is my protective guide and he is my loyal shepherd. And that is where we'll lead in today, his loyalty. This shepherd is incredibly loyal to me. In fact, he's so loyal to me, it doesn't make sense, even if I explain it to you, how loyal he is to me, because there's not one human relationship that could ever compare to the loyalty that he is to me. And that's why today, our comfort of joy, our comfort is, um, for our last week, that the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my keeper, and the Lord is my rescuer. Rescuer. He's our rescuer. He will come to our rescue. And when I say our, I'm talking to God's kids. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you can't claim any of the promises I'm gonna to share today. I'm gonna to tell his kids about it. I would encourage you before this sermon is over to get into the sheepfold for these, this, what I'm gonna to share today is a promise and the behavior of the shepherd towards his little ones, towards his sheep. And we're gonna talk about him being the rescuer. And so who needs this? Christians out there who fail need this today, okay? You know who needs this? Believers who have walked away from God. You know who needs this? Um, Christians who religion has failed them and won't go back into a church. You know who needs this? Um, somebody who has been judged by a church or like a Christian school or whatever, you've been judged and you just, you just can't stand people. Um, you know who needs this? The stubborn, stubborn grandpa who won't talk to his son or his daughter. 
You know, you know who needs this? Um, the wanderer, the captive, that, that person who turned to substances to drown pain and now are addicted by a child of God. This is who needs this. Um, someone who's feeling tremendous shame for things they've done in their life. And it kind of haunts them, that's who needs this. My tiding of comfort this Sunday is this. If you're God's child, you ready? Let me do it with a staff. He will come for you. Ah, uh, Chris, you don't understand. He will come for you, but you don't know what I've done to him. He will come for you because he's the rescuer. Heavenly Father, let us be reminded today of a good shepherd that rescues his sheep even when they're purposefully misbehaving, even when they wander off seeking greener pastures, even when they reject him at times in statements they make. If they're his child, there's nothing that can snatch them from his hand. He, they are in the fold. But not all sheep always listen. And so they need a shepherd who loves them even in their wanderings, their arguments, their fights, their, scur their fears. And so Lord, today, May we hear from the rescuer. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited to share this today because I was a young man especially and I've grown into an older man especially, whatever age I am, where I have felt God's rescuing power in my life. And I stand here today because of my rescuer, not because of anything I've done. You know, Jesus talks about being a rescuer in a specific passage in Matthew. It, it would be commonly known as the leaving 99 passage. Are you familiar with it? That, that he would leave 99. What, what's he talking about here? Jesus, what are you talking about here? Uh, uh, leaving 99. So it's Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. Now let me give us a little context, okay? He's speaking about his little ones. Now, we know his little ones in this passage are his sheep based on context. So these are his disciples. These are his kids. See, in another gospel account, okay, it's recorded, especially in Luke, this same story, but in that sense, it's evangelistic in nature, okay? Here, Jesus is using this leaving 99 as pastoral, um, word we get from shepherd, pastoral. Jesus is a shepherd and that is how he's leveraging this. So the little ones in this account are his sheep and Jesus is the shepherd of this story. And so with that background, with that knowledge, with that context, Jesus says to a group of people listening to him, a very common question. See, Jesus was the master storyteller. And one of the things a master storyteller understands is how to incorporate an entire audience. They can do it by asking one question. What they do is they leverage a metaphor and illustration that everybody in the room would understand. And in doing so, they all get it. So if he says, hey, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, he continues, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go search after the one that got away? 
And the audience, all understanding shepherding, all understanding how shepherds worked in that ancient Palestine, would say, yeah, that's what they do. So Jesus says, hey, I wanna go there. I wanna, I wanna enter into that illustration with you. And you all understand what that means. He's saying, a shepherd has 100 sheep, 99 get counted. Now a shepherd would stand at the gate and when they would come to the sheepfold at night, he'd have his staff and they would enter. One, two, nope, that's not how my good shepherd does it. He does it like this. Chris, Doug, John, Darla. <laughs> I'm using our staff if you're unfamiliar with our church so nobody thinks I'm pointing them out. But as he goes through them, he knows he's got 100 and he gets to the end, he goes, Gabe. Where's Gabe? Now, Gabe's not here this Sunday, so Gabe, as you're watching, I'm sorry for this. I do love you. Where's Gabe? Where's Gabe? I need Gabe. Gabe wandered off. Which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you care and you're intimately acquainted with all of them, one doesn't come in, but they wander off. Which one of you wouldn't leave those 99 and go after it? And all the guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, and if he finds it, if he finds it, truly, there's a verily, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. He gets so pumped up when he finds it. There you are. It's probably more like this. <laughs> there you are. Come on, come on. Got you. Did you see how, it, 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 but, but Shepard, it was so neat over there. I know, it's not good for you. Oh, but they're, they're looking, oh yeah, come on. And he brings him back in and he sets him in the fold. And he rejoices over that. You say more than the 99? So does he love the unfaithful ones more than the faithful ones? I have a problem with that. Hold on. Here's the idea. It's as if there was a fire in a house and the father was waking up his children saying, get outside, get outside. And he gets outside and he looks around. He's looking at his kids, he goes, where are they? I don't know, I didn't see him. You know, the older brother going, I don't know, they probably were still sleeping. You know, whatever. We gotta get them, we gotta get them. Dad goes back in to get them. He goes after them. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now what's the context of perish here? We understand something from the root here that this perish isn't so much go to hell because this is not the evangelistic context, but he's talking about his kids. He's saying, I don't want their lives to be destroyed by their inclination to wander off, get distracted, pursue other things, get into trouble, do things they shouldn't. He doesn't want them to throw their lives away. You know, parents, you can read any book about training adolescents. Half of your role in the teenage years is to keep them from ruining their lives. 
Literally, if you get them through that, you're like, okay, they didn't destroy their life, okay? They're not perfect, but they didn't destroy their life, so we're good. They go into their adulthood and they destroy your life. That's not so much on you. But parents, we really feel that in their adolescence years because they're prone to wander and all these different things and get into things that they wouldn't even imagine. And we understand that. Why? Because we were them too. My wife has said multiple times, can you imagine what I would have been like if I had Instagram? I said, oh my word, hon, we'd still be apologizing for stuff. (laughs) Different generation, we're we're adjusting to different things. but, But I have a shepherd Jesus says, who will come because of all this text implies. So I pointed out four things about my good shepherd just in case the devil tries to trick me and thinking he's different and just in case this world tries to change my view of my shepherd, I've learned this. He will realize if I wander off. He will realize it. He won't be like, hmm, eh, I can't remember who that was. He will realize it. He will rescue when I am helpless. He will restore even if I am reckless. Wait a minute, what? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Now is he coming for that? He's coming for this one too. Oh, there's one in every family, isn't there? Don't nudge your, no, nudge your kid. You're the black sheep of the family. He's coming for this one too. We've all heard the illustration, the black sheep of the family, right? Even when I'm reckless, even when you're reckless, he wants to restore. And he'll rejoice every time I return. Oh man, I have a good shepherd. And here's, this is so, this is so important. This is so important. Here's why. Because the church, God's people, organizations, if you're watching today and you won't step back in one, let let me hear you. Hear me, hear me, hear me. They will fail you on all four accounts. They will fail you. I'm speaking as a pastor saying that. There will be a church that does not realize when you're not there, okay? They're not the heavenly shepherd. They don't even realize you stopped coming. Nobody even cares if I come or not. Nobody even said anything. A church is gonna fail you. God's people are gonna fail you. Your own family's gonna fail you. Why? Because we're sheep. We're sheep. We're not going to catch everything, okay? So there will be times where no one realized you wandered off. They're not always gonna rescue you when you're helpless. People are not always gonna come to your aid. You are going to be failed by the church at some point in your life. I can't believe the church. You're gonna be failed. You're failing people. People are gonna fail you. You're not, there's gonna be times where when you're reckless, people will judge you for it. And they'll look at you and be like, what a disappointment, Okay. When you're reckless, there's gonna be times where a people group won't want you back. They won't want you back. They won't come for you. In fact, they kind of sometimes celebrate. There's some places, there's some groups of people that celebrate, even believers. What? Yeah, believers celebrate when people fail. (laughs) They kind of had that coming. (laughs) Did you see that pastor failed? (laughs) I knew it was coming. Sick. Sick. Sick but we're sheep. And there's times where the body of Christ won't rejoice when you come back. I've had to go and fix situations where somebody hadn't been in church for years and they came in the church and somebody because of their social awkwardness went, whoa, good to see you back. Didn't even know you knew where this place was anymore. (laughs) Thanks, thanks. Do you know the war it is for some people to get back inside this place sometimes and our sarcasm comes out? 
Do you understand what you could have done there in that moment? In a time when someone desperately needed to be like, hey, I know there's young people that when I was a youth pastor, they'd kind of strayed from the Lord. They come back with their kids and they're kind of looking at me out of the corner of the eye. What's Chris gonna say when we come in? And they need a, what? Ah, they need that from the body of Christ. But we'll fail you, we'll fail you. I'll fail you. People are gonna fail you. You're gonna fail people. I hear people say things. Well, there's no perfect church. That's because you attend it. There isn't a perfect church, and that's true. People, the church will fail you. All of you out there, I'm tired of this, 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 stop it. That's not your good shepherd. Do not let the church define your good shepherd. He's so good. He's so good, he will never fail you. And church, it's our job to copy the good shepherd the best we can. Forgive each other when we fail. But he does realize when you wander off. He does rescue when you're helpless. He will restore even if you're reckless and he will rejoice every time I return. And we need to know that because that's not how people will respond. There'll be people if you return, they're like, oh man, I was kind of hoping they wouldn't come back. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for that, Lord. But we're sheep and we need you to redefine the shepherd Oh, that's why it's so important for us to get our hands around this. And I thought, what, what Psalm? There's gotta be a Psalm. God, we've gone to Psalm 23. We've gone to, we've gone to Psalm 121. We've gained so much theology about who you are, our shepherd. What Psalm is out there for the black sheep in the family, the wanderer, the, the rebellious heart, the stubborn sheep, whatever it is. There's gotta be something out there. And I found a Psalm that many have entitled the rescuer psalm. And it's, it's found in Psalm 107. And one of the most beautiful aspects of this song is it speaks about God's loyal love. Loyal love. This is a love that does not betray. This is a love that sticks by you when you fail. This is a love that comes after you even if you reject it and punch it in the face. This love just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And if you're God's kids, if you're part of the sheepfold, whether you're obeying right now, whether you're wandering that out, whatever it is, that shepherd, that shepherd wants to rescue you. And I thought, let's go to that passage and let's learn about this loyal love of our shepherd. And so it can inform our prayer life. It can inform our fears in 2020, even going into 21, it can inform us and help us think differently about the shepherd that is so often bashed by anybody who talks with him, about him. Enter Psalm 107 with me. It's a delight to read. Okay, here it is. He starts out, um, and, and we, they believe it might be a collection of Psalms. You might note if you're looking at your scripture, it says book five. This might be a collection of Psalms, uh, more so than a David Psalm, um, but you're gonna see the psalmists that put this together, or psalmists, okay, um, had a big, big view of God, okay? It starts out, it's like celebratory, so let me get excited. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, he added steadfast love. Now, see, our English falls apart with this word that this stems from, Old Testament, what are we looking at? Hebrew, right? So steadfast love in the Hebrew carries the idea of hesed, okay? Hesed, it's hard to kind of even say. But, but this love, it, it's, it, it's bigger than just um, uh, uh, love. 
You have to add words to it to make sense. So you'll hear things like loving kindness, his loving kindness. You'll hear things like his steadfast love. Um, You'll hear things like his enduring love. But what I love every time I read it, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loyal love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north to the south. Okay, okay, so we got this redeemer, someone who buys back, goes after these sheep. So now I got these lambs here and I've got a shepherd who will go east, west, north, south, coming for them. So now we've got a text that we can get our hands around. And this Psalm goes on to describe four different, I'm gonna call them little lambs, if you will. Here they are, the wandering one who finds themselves in hardship, the ensnared one or trapped one because of their rebellion, the suffering one who is suffering because of their own stubbornness, and the drowning one drowning in fear. Now, I'm going to take that from the Israelite illustration of Psalm 107, where God talks about his people, his sheep, wandering off doing all these things, and this psalm speaks of what the rescuer does. So these are going to be our four that will serve as our outline. And the psalmist is going to say, some were wandering, some were ensnared, some were suffering, some were drowning. And what's beautiful about this, he's going to answer that with the rescuer and what he does. So if you find yourself wandering in hardship right now, you're kind of aimless, this is going to be a great text. If you find yourself ensnared by decisions you've made, it's gonna be a great text. If you find yourself today suffering because of your own stubbornness, it's gonna be a great text. And if you're drowning in fear, this is gonna be a great text. Let's dive in. Some were in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Some, they just wandered off and they got exhausted. Oh, okay. I mean, they're hungry, they're thirsty. They were looking for greener pastures. They were looking for something that would satisfy them more than the shepherd. And they got out there and they got tired. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them. Man, okay, we got you. And he delivered them. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast, loyal love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. You won't find satisfaction in anything the world offers. Not in money, not in people, not in stuff. You'll only find satisfaction in me. Not in popularity, but their jerseys are so cool. I want to be like them. Not in popularity. Not in beauty. If I could be just as pretty as those girls, everybody would say, not in beauty. Me. You're not going to find anything that satisfies you more than me. And when they call for help, when this little lamb called for help, the rescuer came. Some were wandering in hardship. Yet the loyal love came to satisfy their every need. Have you ever had the shepherd satisfy a need that you didn't know how he was going to do it? I, I think of an illustration. Um, has any, have any of you ever heard of uh, Dallas Theological Seminary? In 1924, they were going through a financial crisis. At that time, President Ironside, many of you know his works, 
um, was the president and the school, the seminary was in, a, it was in a bad way and they called a sudden prayer meeting. They got the trustees and prayer partners together and, and they began to pray. And a famous line came out of Ironside. He said, God, we know you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Could you sell a few of them and give them to the seminary? They were praying, God, help the seminary, help. We don't know how we're gonna do this. We're, they were, we could be facing bankruptcy. We could be facing a chance where the school would have to close. We need you, God. <laughs> Within a week, a secretary got a call. There was a Texas oil man down in Dallas. There was a Texas oil man and he had two truckloads of cattle and he sold them hoping to make a profit, but he just wasn't settled on where he should give the money. He felt the Lord leading him to call the seminary and offer it to them. And so he called the secretary of the school up. He said, I'm a cattleman. I want to, I've sold this cattle. I would like to give this money to the school. The secretary runs in, busts open Ironside's office door and said, God just sold the cattle. He's our rescuer. But did you note something specifically about this account that the psalmist put in there? The sheep cried for help. And that motivated the shepherd. What was that? Oh, you were wandering around. You were wandering around. Yes, because I want you to love me, not be forced to. And you're wandering around. Help. Okay, there we go. That's my cue. You want my help? I'm here. And, and he was activated. Ironside cried for help and God was activated. They were wandering in hardship and God's loyal love came to them. So we got our list here. Loyal love came to satisfy their every need. The second one, they're, they're ensnared in rebellion. Okay, so let's talk about you, Mr. Black Sheep of the family. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. Some claim close to death, not death, the shadow of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they rebelled against the words of God and they spurned the counsel of the Most High. They knew the right thing to do. They had heard the truth and they spurned it. They said, I'm not doing that. Oh, surely God's gonna get that one, right? So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help bowed their heads down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them. You want my help? Okay. He delivered them. He picked them up. And they cried from the Lord in their distress. And, and scripture continues and says, let the Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord say so for his steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze. Let me break those chains off of you. Drug addiction, lust and pornography. Let me break them off. You call for my help, I wanna help. For he shatters the doors of bronze and he cuts into the bars of iron. Let me get you off those fantasy novels that have you addicted to loving something other than your husband. Let me break you off of those chains of this music in your head that degrades women uses profanity and mocks a world of humility with voices of pride and arrogance and self-love. Let me break you from this stuff. Let me break you from all your addictions. I wanna set you free. See, the rebel heart thinks there's freedom in running from God. It couldn't be further from the truth. 
People lose thousands of dollars of money in addictions per year. They aren't free, they're chained. And they'll tell you, especially if they're a child of God, walking outside of his will, life gets so difficult at times. And many times it's because the good shepherd is disciplining us and bowing our heads low so that he can get us to a point where we cry for help because he doesn't want us to continue to suffer. He is not a God who sees people suffering and says, hey, it's okay, it's what they want. He loves his kids. He loves his sheep, even when they're being bad. Some were ensnared by rebellion, but his loyal love came to unlock their chains when they cried for help. What extreme measures has God taken in your life to bring you back? There's a story of a young lady. She locked herself out of her car in a very dark and scary area. She began to pray, God, God, I need help. I need help. I need somebody to come help me. I can't be locked out of my car. I can't be out in this dangerous alley for much longer. You know that, God, I need help. And minutes went by and minutes went by and minutes went by. If there's anybody out there today who feels like they've wandered too far off the path for God to ever use them again, listen. She says that out of the darkness started coming towards me a figure and I could tell it was a man, but he had like a biker skull cap on, tattoos all over him. He was also scary with a big old beard. Is that you? came walking up to her and he said, ma'am, do you need some help? She said, yeah, I'm trying to get into my car. I'm locked out of my car and, and I keep using this coat hanger, but it's not working. Is there any way you could help me get in my car? He said, you got it. He took the thing. He was in the car within 30 seconds. She was like, it was a little too easy. She said, thank you. And she gave him a big hug. She said, thank you so much. You're such a nice man. He kind of recoiled. He said, ma'am, I'm not a nice man. Well, you don't understand is I've been arrested for auto theft multiple times in my life. And even within this year, I got let out of prison. And now only now out, I'm not a nice man. She looked at him with his big eyes and she gave him a second hug. And she looked up to the heavens and she said, thank you God for sending a professional. <laughs> God is so awesome. That even when his kids get off into rebellion, he can use your rebelliousness to help minister to somebody in the future who's struggling with it too in the fold. Some of you just love that rebel teenager. You want to know why? You were him. Some of you just love giving a second chance to that father. You want to know why? You were him. Some of you just love giving second chances. You want to know why? You were them. And that's the way our rescuer works. He says, come on back, those ensnared by rebellion. Come on back. Loyal love came to unlock their chains. Oh, but then there's some suffering and stubbornness. Uh, the psalmist says, some were fools through their own sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. Come here. No. You know you were wrong. No. But you know you're behaving wrong. I know, but I'd rather be wrong then admit I was wrong. Some were fools through their own iniquities. They loathed any kind of food. I will suffer, I will, I will punish myself before I admit I'm a fool. And they drew near the gates of death. Wow. Then they cried to the Lord. 
They finally got to a point where their stubborn heart said, I need help. That prodigal was in the pen with the sheep, mud all over him going, all right, fine. And they cried the Lord of the trouble. And he said, no, you deserve to suffer. Nope. And he said, what was that? What was that? Matt, help. Oh, you need some help? My little stubborn one? You call for help? You call for help? I got you. I was waiting for you to call for help. I need help. I shouldn't have been so stubborn. I shouldn't have wasted 15 years with my adult son. What am I doing? I know. But you call for help. I'm here. Let's do this. But you're going to have to change. Oh, could you change him? Nope. You're going to have to change. Could you change him? For you're going to have to change my stubborn one. You see, I'm talking to this stuffed animal, and I'm not insane college students. I'm talking this stuffed animal because I want us to remember how helpless we actually are, folks. We're the sheep. And we need to hear his word. You see how he healed this? He spoke to it. We need to hear his word. His word is healing to the stubborn soul. And he delivered him out of his destruction. I got you. What's the response? Let them thank the Lord for his loyal love, his steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of man. See why this psalmist is so pumped? Do you believe we have this awesome shepherd who just forgives us and shows mercy to us? I mean, who is like this on earth? I mean, when you rebel, you're supposed to hear things like, what's wrong with you, you stupid idiot? When you're stubborn, fine, be that way. I don't even care. I don't even care if I talk to you again. That's what we're used to hearing, even from children of God. When we wander, we have people going, they'll, they'll pay for that. <laughs> we'll be laughing when they fail. When we do all these things, and unfortunately, children of God, I pray this is motivating you to go, I want to be more like the shepherd, not the sheep, in the way I deal with people. But the shepherd just keeps coming. And so for those suffering in stubbornness, the loyal love of God came to heal their heart and heart when they cried for help. And many of you know my testimony that I was studying to be an architect before God called me into ministry, okay? It's in my blood. My dad's a commercial artist. I wanted to be in some sort of art and technical field. I love engineering and I love design. And in doing so, I became a huge fan of Frank Lloyd Wright. Ever hear of him, the architect? He has designed numerous homes. And one specific home, he designed for a millionaire, I should probably say billionaire, but I'm not confident that he was. So let's just say really wealthy. And around 1937, Lloyd Wright got a phone call from him, angry as a hornet. He had all these distinguished guests invited over to Frank Lloyd's home that he designed just for him. And he looked up at the ceiling and it was dripping on his head as he sat at dinner amongst his distinguished guests, drip, hitting him on the head. The, the account I read said he was bald, so that'll really affect you folks if you got no hair. It's dripping on his head. He calls Lloyd Wright, middle of there. I need you to fix this. I love this house, but I've got drips on my head. The roof is leaking. I need you to fix this now. Well, Lloyd Wright was in Phoenix. He couldn't come fix it now. But being a little annoyed in how he was being treated, he said to him, all right, well, I can fix it. Good, I need you to fix it now. Well, I can fix it right now. Oh, you can? Well, then do it. All right, move your chair. <laughs> you may not like this about the good shepherd, but 
oftentimes when we cry out to him saying, fix this, fix this, fix this, fix everyone, fix the church, fix the way they do this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And God says, you want to fix it? Yeah, move your chair. No, I don't want to change. See, you didn't hear the prayer right. I want everyone else to change. I don't want to change. And our stubbornness, we're sheep and we're stubborn and we don't want to change. We want everybody else to change, but we don't want to change. And I've found in my life, it's almost like God sometimes just allows that drip to remind me, hey, Chris, you need to change first. God's loyal love is so patient with our stubborn heart because he loves us and he knows if we stay stubborn, you're gonna ruin years of your life. Are you really gonna allow bitterness over what happened last Thanksgiving to ruin the next five years? It's welling up inside of you. A root of bitterness can destroy your soul. You don't want that. You need to be around my word because it was his word that healed the stubborn heart. Do you know somebody in your life, or has this been true in your life? You're so stinking stubborn that you're willing to suffer rather than admit you're wrong. I mean, you can't be loved, right? You're just a jerk, right? That's what the world says. And you know what? If they think you're a jerk, you might as well be the biggest jerk in the world. That's not Jesus. He goes, come on, you're not a jerk. You're hurt. And his loyal love sticks by the most stubborn heart because he doesn't want your life to be perishing. The loyal love of God, wandering in hardship, came to satisfy their every need and stared by rebellion, came to unlock their chains. Suffering and stubbornness came to heal their hardened heart. But there's one more, drowning in fear. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on great waters. Some got into business, the pursuit. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. Oh yeah, how so? For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and they staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Did you know that phrase came from scripture? They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. They were riding the waves. They were going up and down, up and down. And they were great when they were going out in their waves, but now this is scary. Help, help. You're the ones who got yourselves into this mess. Nope, that's not the way our loyal, the loyal love of God came. And when they cried for help, he came coming for them. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Is this possibly speaking of the time Jesus said, peace be still? Then they were glad when the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired heaven or their safe haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. God brings good and God allows difficulty at times but he does all these things to get our attention. Some were drowning in fear 
But God's loyal love rescued them from that, rescued them from the rough waters when they called for safety. His enduring love exists to put all our anxious hearts at peace and to hold them in their fear. How many times have you felt God through the struggles of your life and fear holding you? There was a lake, it was a hot day. It was a hot day in Florida. Florida can get hot. And there was this lake and there's this young boy who wanted to just cool off. He jumped into the lake and he began to swim, got out into the middle and was swimming. His mom saw him, waved him, come on back in. It's not the safest place to be swimming in a lake in Florida, come on back in. He started to come back in, but then mom looked and saw an alligator. She looked back at her boy and she started, get in here, alligator, she yelled. The boy noticed the issue and began to swim as fast as he can towards his mom. At that point, the mom saw the alligator pick up speed coming towards the boy. Now, I know you've heard of many alligator stories and they don't all end well. This one does. Rest easy. The boy came swimming towards her. He couldn't get there fast enough. As he got to her, she noticed how close the alligator was. She reached for him and grabbed him, but that's when the tug of war match began. She grabbed his other hand. He's screaming and she's pulling and she's seeing red in the lake. The alligator has his legs. A man watching the situation, watching the boy swimming frantically to his mother, went to his car and had gotten a weapon and shot at the alligator and it swam away. And the boy was pulled into his mother, rushed to the hospital, put in intensive care. And once he got out of intensive care, a reporter came to ask him the story. Now, being 10 or 12 years old in that age, he was kind of proud of his wounds once they were no longer in pain. And the reporter said, could I see your wounds? And he's like, yeah. He pulled it up, showed where the alligator bites were and all the wounds that he had taken, but he had still had his leg. He goes, and, and, and the reporter's like, a very brave young man that got through all this. And he said, oh, I have other wounds too. You wanna see them? And he held up his arms. And the reporter kind of looked at his arms and there's all these marks all over those arms. He goes, yeah, my arms are all bruised here too. Wanna to know why? She said, why? My mom wouldn't let me go. That mom was holding on so stinking tight that she put wounds on her son's arms. Our good shepherd says nothing can snatch them out of my hands. His loyal love will hang on because he knows we're on earth being attacked and he hangs on. His loyal love, even when I'm drowning in fear, let that inform my prayer life. I got you, Chris. Even when I'm anxious about the future, I got you. Even when I wander off doing things, maybe I should, I got you but there was a common thread through every story, every account in this Psalm. They all cry for help, wandering in hardship, ensnared by rebellion, suffering in stubbornness, drowning in fear. God's loyal love came when that little sheep, that little lamb said, help, help. 
Whoever is wise, the psalm concludes, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things and let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the definition of, I don't have application for you, I have knowledge for you, and that knowledge should inform how you live. You have a good, good shepherd who will leave 99, if that's what it takes, to come find you sitting alone. Who needs this? Those who feel captive to bad decisions. Who needs this? Those who feel shamed from things they've done. Who, who needs this? Those who have prodigaled. Who needs this? Those who doubt at times. Call for his help. See, we forget this. We have a God who wants to help. He's merciful. You see, we know God's forgiveness. We know God's love. But when we fail and we make mistakes, you'll hear that enemy. You're such a horrible father. Look, at, look, you're such a horrible father. You'll hear him. And if you're not informed, you're gonna think that's the good shepherd saying that and he don't say that. You're such a, a horrible mom. Look at, look at Facebook. You're the worst mom in the world. And if you don't have a good shepherd, you'll listen to that. <laughs> Teenagers, they don't say that. They go this. They go, I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. And if you don't have a good shepherd, you're going to listen to that. That little kid, he doesn't say he's a loser. He doesn't, he doesn't say those things. He says things, or she says things like this. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. And if you don't have a good shepherd, you'll listen to that garbage. But if you're informed and you consider and you understand the loyal love of God, it don't matter what the sheep say. It only matters what he says. And no matter what I've done, I can come back. And it doesn't matter what they say. It only matters what he says. I can start over. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what he says. I can feel safe. Even if they tell you, this is the worst world in the world. I don't even know how we're gonna, it doesn't matter what they say. It only matters what he says. Let him who is wise consider his love, consider his view and cry for his help. Man, he'll come. Let me conclude with this. Any of you know Bach? Any of you know, have heard of the name Bach, right? You know, he signed at the bottom of all his manuscripts, Soli Deo Gloria, SDG. That's what he was signed. Soli Deo Gloria, which means glory to God alone. Okay, so everything he wrote, signed at the bottom, SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. But what's lost sometimes is what he would put at the top before he would write. He put this, Shesu Shuva, which means Jesus help. This year was the first time I've really felt in my life like, whoa, whoa, this is interesting. Um, I don't really have anyone to go to. I don't have a pastor. I'm kind of that guy. Um, nobody's done a pandemic before. Um, so I don't have somebody who's experienced this. Um, I don't really have anybody to 
go to. I have family members who love me and stuff, but who understand this. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I don't, but on Monday, they're all going to ask me what to do, and I will have to say something. I have never asked for help more than this year. Never. I have grown more spiritually as a shepherd this year than I ever have in my entire life this year because I've had to ask for my shepherd's help like crazy and he has delivered every time. I've had times said, I don't even know what you want for the next series, let alone the next sermon and he's delivered every time. So it's gotten to a point where I don't start a day I don't turn on my computer. And I will tell you, I, I like to think I was a pretty loyal follower of Jesus Christ. But after this year, I don't wake up and not go, all right, Jesus, help me today. Help. I am not gonna be that lamb who doesn't ask for it. I'm not gonna suffer in my stubbornness. I don't wanna wander away, because I will. I want your help. And he has delivered in ways I can't imagine. And I share with you that because this is how we end our series in Christmas. Tidings of comfort are meant so that we do this. When God gives comfort to us, we give comfort to others, okay? That's what I'm supposed to do. God gives comfort to us so that he can give comfort through us. And here's what I'm gonna ask you. I, or challenge you with, I have found tremendous comfort I love my cell phone Bible. I swear by my cell phone Bible. I have Logos on my cell phone. I love to study on my cell phone. This is not a better than. But I have found the joy of getting back into a paper Bible, even writing on it. I have found the joy. No alerts come up. No texts come up. No check this app out come up. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Your eBay just sold? No, nothing. I open this and I feel so safe in this thing. Especially in the Psalms. And, and the shepherd has been in this book for me and I've tried to listen to his voice because the sheep hear his voice. Uh, my, daughter, my daughter is a budding entrepreneur. She's cut right from my flesh. Um, I, I'm very proud of her. I offer to use her in illustrations because I don't want to embarrass her. I will embarrass the boys, not her. Um, she's the apple. Uh, she, she, um, she loves Bibles. She has since she was like eight years old. She's been reading the Bible more fluently than, than I, I would tell you she's challenged me. And I said, hey, Sid, you've been painting Bibles and been getting pe people to read Bibles again in paper, codex form. I said, would you paint me this picture? I said, I want it on my Bible. I want to open a paper Bible. So I sent this to her and um, she hooked me up. She hooked me up. And so now I have this Bible. And um, I'm going to challenge us next week in our New Year's message. We're, we're going we're to read the Bible a little bit more than we have in the past as challenges as a church. Because I think we're sheep that really need to hear the shepherd's voice. Amen? Hey, church family, if any time in this message you felt a little guilty about how you've handled another sheep, you don't listen to that voice of guilt. Listen to your shepherd go, hey, this whole time spent on earth, you know my whole goal, guys, isn't to make y'all happy. It's to make you holy. I want you guys to be like me. And I don't care what you did, and I don't care where you went. All I care is you stay by me. I got you guys. 
and I'm big. You are very big. I'm really big. And don't you guys forget it. Heavenly Father, I don't know who needs this. I don't. In a room this size, I'm sure there's a lot of shame, guilt, frustration of past decisions. Would you just jump in there and say, hey, I'm a good shepherd. And you got a lot of life left. So let's start doing this together. I know you wandered off. Why do we have to rehearse it? I'm here now. I know you chose not to listen, but you call for me and I'm right here. I know you're mad at the other sheep, but they're just sheep. It only matters what I say. I'll send out an army if it's what it takes to rescue you. I will climb every hill. I will search every valley. You can't get away from my love. I love the rebel heart who is my child. Oh, the world might, but I do. I love the wandering little lamb. I even love that stubborn lamb. I love my scared lambs. Come to me. Call for me. I love to rescue. In fact, I get so excited about it, I rejoice. And the heavens do with me. Come on back. Come on back. You're my kid. If there's anybody out there listening to this who has never been in the sheepfold, it's time to get with this shepherd. Call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved today. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you become his child, you become his lamb, and he watches you. He keeps you, he shepherds you, and he rescues you. And one day he'll bring you home. But until that time, you don't have just a shepherd who came for you. You have one who continually comes. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing us.